Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome along to the Wiseman Say podcast, where we have another Sunderland win to speak. About seven in a row, ten unbeaten, I believe. Is that right? I don't know. Lost count. Lost count. <laughs> boring, isn't it? It is. It is boring. Um, myself and Gareth Barker are joined tonight by Head Honcho. Is that a good title for you, Martin? Martin McFadden from A Love Supreme. I'm the Jack Ross of ALS. We've got a couple of questions, actually. I asked, He's a lot asked, more charming than you. <laughs> there was no denial there from anybody in the room. Um, we are a couple of questions, actually, for you a bit later on, Martin. People are interested in how you started up and stuff, which must be nice, because it's, uh, it's never really about you when you come on here normally, is it? No. I'll have to try and remember, because it was like a long time. <laughs> I'm sure you can remember. Uh, Stephen Elliott, former Sunderland striker, is with us again. Um, regular guest now, of course, Stephen. Enjoying things? It's gone very well at the moment, isn't it? This, like we mentioned off-air, this League One stuff is great fun. It certainly is. Um, we'd just like to establish from the start, because a few people um, have sent us a question directed towards Stephen about a claim that was made on, a, on another podcast. It's... <laughs> I don't, it's not quite the show um, to mention exactly what it was. Well, just go and have a listen to yourself, and then Stephen can reply on Twitter if he feels like it. But we're not gonna we're not gonna put him on the spot and ask him about it. I don't think it's a story for for this show. Is it not? What no, is the story? I'm intrigued. Under the cosh, under the cosh podcast. There's, there's a lot more to the story than just what you will hear on that <laughs> podcast. But it, as I said, if you want to find out. A little bit about the story, listen to that podcast. Yeah. It's quite funny, actually. And then maybe we'll do a follow-up on that. Maybe well, the live shows, so that would be more the... Uh, possibly. When you've yeah. had a few drinks down, yeah. You know, whatever you, um, if you do a Kevin Kyle game, whatever you say is not going to eclipse yeah, him. Exactly. He's, he'll have you're something horrendous to say. If Kyle is there, to be The fair. podcast's called Under the Cosh. Um, the E is missing from under, so it's U-N-D-R, the Cosh. Uh, former Sunderland striker Chris Brown and John Park, and who you must have played with. Played with Park, yeah, yeah. Preston. Funny yeah. lad, mm. to say the least. He is funny. It's a good podcast, it's a good show. Uh, they're going to try and do some live shows, and, and one of them's going to be, I think they, they were asking us about the yeah, peacock, weren't they? Got it, I don't they got it done, I think. Didn't, they couldn't I, I get the deal over the line. They couldn't get the date that wanted or something like that. Oh, okay. um, but Maybe not. I don't know why well, we're plugging other people's podcasts. Well, no, it's nice. It's nice. It's nice just this one instead. Well, no, you know, shows a bit of respect, doesn't it? You know what I mean? If anybody's listening, they're not really listening to us anyway. Unless it's the first time you've ever listened to this and you've t- you're on the verge of turning off, uh, so to avoid that from happening, we'll, we'll speak it, about does the it, football. Does the story rival um, John Oster's Christmas party story? Well, do he doesn't tell anybody yeah. what that is, does he? So we don't know. Yeah. Obviously not. Did he, did he cross over with John Oster at Sunderland? I'm just trying to really think. Me? Yeah, I played him briefly yeah, yeah, in yeah, it was uh, just 2004, I think, 2005. Yeah, yeah. And you never found out what happened at the Leeds Christmas party? No, that was after, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he went alone. I don't know. No, I don't think so, no. Nobody knows. Mm. Nobody knows. John, I'm sure John has many a funny story Steve, anyway. Did, yeah. did it not involve a cigar? I, I don't know I where, 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 who, where did he put the cigar somewhere I don't know somewhere in my in my mind I didn't remember you put it in your mind <laughs> the cigar I mean obviously there was the rifle incident as yeah. well wasn't there yeah but I mean that gets eclipsed because of whatever he did but anyway we should talk about football shouldn't yeah. we but we, he's, he's coming out for our Christmas party we'll get it out yeah for our Christmas party we'll get it out of him then definitely um, 
So Sunderland win the football again, don't again, they? Good um, again, I was just talking actually before we started. It was a bit of a strange game, and Sunderland scored so early that complacency kind of kicked in, in everywhere in the, in the stand on the pitch because we were so far in control of that game, and uh, it was a bit of a, it's a bit of an odd situation, but a nice one to be in that for Sunderland. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was like obviously two early goals, and then and then I think we we kind of like changed down a gear a bit. And then they they then they started getting going, and then I think as the game wore on, we kind of took a bit control like later on. But I suppose Port Vale are quite a lot of quite quite like a lot of the teams have played this season, where they never give up and they've <clears throat> they've got a bit of a game plan and they've they've got a bit of strength. And I thought they were decent, to be fair. Had a good goal second half, didn't they? Could have had a penalty. Our goal was offside, mm. you know. So they, they they won one with that, and then lost it with the penalty. Was anybody surprised at the team selection? He went quite strong, but he went very strong, didn't he? He only made the one change. Madge went out. Um, Sinclair come in. Because I think a lot of people, myself included, were probably expecting people like Luke O'Neill to get a game. Mm, he's, I, been, he's been looking okay recently. Yeah. And you think, give him a start. To, to, I don't know. I just to, think, obviously, when you're winning games and, and you're kind of shooting up the table, obviously a cup game comes along. It's the FA Cup at the end of the day. It's, it's a, it was his first FA Cup tie as well. He's probably thinking, I don't want to lose mm. my first FA Cup tie as a manager. And you have to bear in mind the check a trade game is on midweek as well. So he probably had that in the back of his head where he's thinking, I can give the kind of fringe players a run out on that. But I don't see any problem with him keeping his his strongest 11 or what he thinks is his strongest 11 but we can't game. complain can we because we've complained about this for years haven't we like why is he why is he, why is he playing a weekend team you just complained about everything for years yeah well that's what football fans do exactly um, but the weekend so, team at Hull which <laughs> became that, the, yeah. um, a bit of a meme for ELS didn't it it did, it? It did. it's after the cup final wasn't no, it, it was yeah. Bit, well, that, yeah it was after the, the sixth round yeah, yeah. when we had uh, Oh, sorry. I was thinking about Oscar Atari the other day for some reason oh, I yeah. think it was because it was, it was that Boca Juniors versus River Plate Platt yeah, good game. Platte game was on good game, and I was thinking does Scott Scott Rowe play for he Boca did, Juniors he, he plays for River he plays no, for uh, I thought he played for Boca Juniors he plays for one of them yeah Yeah. yeah. another one who's gone on to, to, <laughs> to, to enjoy himself um, we can't go play with the line up by the way pull the background and something can we but were you surprised Gareth? a little bit Um like you say, I thought a couple of lads who I thought power would play, um, but it, it, I mean, you look at you know, what Stephen was saying about the, you know, he obviously doesn't want to win his first. We, we lost his, the first cup game, didn't we, against Sheffield Wednesday? Really, I thought in that game we were probably the better side for about the first mm-hmm. twenty-five minutes, and then Ozturk made that mistake. But then when you think about it across the board, we've played in three, com- four competitions this season, twenty games, I think it is, and we've lost twice. Mm. In in twenty games across four competitions, you know he want he, it's clear that there's method. He wants to you know he doesn't he did change the team a little bit at the start of the season mainly down to injuries and things like that and suspensions. But generally, when he's when he can, he generally keeps the same eleven. I think, and it's probably a sign that he doesn't think the players have fully grasped what he wants. This is what I'm saying. Well, it's a new the new players come game, together yeah. as well. It's another game together, playing yeah. together, learning about each other's games, and that. So it wasn't a major surprise, if I'm honest, for me that he, that he didn't make that many changes. I think it sent out some good signals. You know, like that power was on the bench, and he probably knew he was going to come on, and then there'll be big changes against Morgan. Mm. Um, and then I think everyone will everyone will get a, everyone will get a game, but people will still be fresh for Saturday. David Conlon has tweeted us, and this is just relevant to this point, I guess, where he's saying he was surprised to see McLaughlin play in goal because this could have been an opportunity to show some faith in Reuter because obviously McLaughlin, um, withdrawn from international duty, can play against Wickham 
are we too reliant on him? Is it a problem? There's nothing wrong with having a good keeper maybe reliant just, on Maybe he's just showing him a little bit of... Uh, like, he's going... He's pull, I think pulling out of the international side is a big statement. I think it... it Especially it, with Craig Gordon's injury now, mm-hmm. there was a, it was it was well. Is he? Are they going to have to backtrack mm-hmm. on that? But it's worked out all right. Well, they, they do strain, don't they? Like alternate the goalkeepers or something. Scotland, yeah, mm-hmm. they do. McGregor and Gordon, and he, each one gets a chance. Maybe he would have got a chance, but I think it, it's some people frown upon. It's frowned upon, isn't it? You know, you, you probably I don't know how you feel, sleeve. If you're going into, you know, you get picked for a national team, and you go, and then. There's so many players yeah. who decide like, oh, I can't. Well, you, you know, as a keeper, he's probably thinking, I probably, will, I won't play. That's probably what he's thinking, and you think it's another game for Sunderland. He's he's obviously loving it here, and he's he's playing really well, and it's it's an important game. Like long term, it's going to be more important. Is he going to be Scotland's number one over the mm. next? It's it's highly unlikely. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying he's not good enough, but you have to look at who Scotland have: Craig Gordon, McGregor. Them two seem to be like ahead of him in the pecking order so he's probably looking at the bigger picture and thinking I don't really want to miss a game I'm not saying he won't get back into the Sunderland team but maybe he's had a chat with the manager and he's a big part of Sunderland this year you, you mentioned are the team over-reliant and I wouldn't say over-reliant but having a good keeper is just as important as having a, a good striker you know you need a good keeper and he is that and he's obviously organising the defenders and it's a familiar face behind it, the, the back line and Listen, I'm sure he'd had a chat and they've come to the conclusion that he's going to stay and play the game, which is good. Did you ever have a manager talk you out of playing for Ireland? Um, for like a friendly or something? Did anybody ever have a chat with you saying, you know... You hopefully know. not um, no, the Ireland, no, hopefully not the manager this, this of is, Ireland. This is one of the things, isn't it? This is one of the things where when you don't play football and you're a fan in the media, you love to speculate over this. And there's this suggestion or this feeling that this happens. And that so, when, it, when it's a friendly game or something, the manager's... Uh, you know these players pull up with little injuries and then they're suddenly okay mm. for the next club to be honest with you it's not from a football point of view I remember when I was in the Ireland squad um, when I was at Sunderland and obviously Mick McCarthy was managing Sunderland at the time and we used to we used to play you know I remember international used to be a bit different we used to play kind of the weekend and on a Tuesday night and then obviously you'd have to, st- to get back fly all back over the game on, on the Saturday for Sunderland but in the Ireland squad when I was involved after the match on Tuesday night involved a couple of days on the rip like so you, you kind of Mick was aware of this obviously being national team and just so he was worried about only thing he used to me make sure you kind of look after yourself the Tuesday night and maybe the Wednesday morning because you'd be back in training on the Thursday and if you've had a right tear up on the drink then you wouldn't be fully fully well. that would be the only thing that Mick would have said to me about meeting up with the Irish team but nothing to do football wise just make sure I kept the old points down to a certain amount why didn't you just qualify only, only, five, only five pints well that, this is it like, you know, so as long as you're, you're ready to go on the Thursday he wasn't too bothered but like, I, I was always in the back of my head when I came back from internationals to, to try hard on the Thursday because I just didn't want to give the gaffer any excuse not to play me on the Saturday you ever do the bin liners thing the hungover and bin liners underneath your training uh, gear is that another myth does that not happen I used to just lie in bed mate <laughs> you know what I mean recover that was the best way to recover for me kind of sleep her off but nah, you, you see someone like Graham Cavanagh used to every time we'd, we'd be out on the weekend you'd always come in and he'd be on the treadmill with a black bag underneath his, his track and you think what are you doing but it's, just, it's probably everyone's different aren't they it's an individual and if you feel like that kind of gets you back up to speed then so be it but it wasn't for me you know Kevin Brady told us a good story the the live one of the peacock shows we do before the games before the last match um, he was away on Ireland under 21 duty and um, Liam Brady was on at him all the time he was playing for Ireland and he, Liam Brady wanted to be his agent hmm. and he said and then he even saw him in a bar in Dublin and he started on him again and then he said he walked in a bar later on 
and Liam Brady and Peter Reid were cuddled up asleep on a set of somewhere. There you go. <laughs> That's a decent story. That picture, one. Straight away, you just picture that scene, don't you? Think what? <laughs> Isn't he doing a talking soon or something? Did you post a picture of that earlier? Yes, they're doing the one at the club. I'm just saying because you've just ruined. Uh, you've just basically ruined. His Not really. Story. We, you know, Kane was done. That's about the fifth thing Kane was done with us. The but first time he's, he's first time he's mentioned that now story. You've spoiled it. So, so well done. No, I don't think so. I don't think everybody who's going to be there will listen to this. It's a good teaser should, if anything. They should. For anyway. Ireland on the twenty-one trips are just like stag doers. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> I suppose you had managers at Sunderland who knew exactly what was going to happen in the Irish set. Well, that's well, what that's, like that's what it was. But Mick Mick yeah. being the manager there, and he, he was well aware of what was kind of what would happen after the game. So it was kind of tongue in cheek on his part, but you it still kind of left a little thought in the back of your head when now when you start kind of thinking, right, I'll be training on the tour stage. So you just you, you didn't want you kind of coming back rough because obviously being a young lad as well, he mm. he wanted you to be kind of flying flying fit on the Saturday, which. It's fair enough, I suppose, isn't it? Did, did Roy go to these... Um, well, Roy used to be involved in the old uh, drink sessions before he decided that drink wasn't me. for him, yeah. <laughs> or that Ireland wasn't for him. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. he came back to us, though, didn't he? Of course. Or that just course. society wasn't for him. We've got to try my best to flip this back round of the football here, because we've got off at a time. Yeah, we were talking about the keeper, weren't we, but well, the selection. Yeah, but yeah. We've, gone, we've, we've gone done on, that. Yeah. We've gone. We, can't, we don't want to speculate on who we might get in the cup, because that draw will have been made by the time people listen to this anyway so what we'll do is we'll get Frankie and the lads obviously to reflect on that um, on don't want a home game don't want a home game I definitely yeah. don't want a home game an away game to a place where I haven't been to before please Crawley there you go that's my prediction for the cup tie Crawley okay. yeah. Crawley I don't even know they're in it a bit strange so making a prediction for a cup draw like, but that's been yeah. made yeah, don't know. Anyway, um, that's not the strangest thing I've ever prof- done, Stephen. <laughs> professional, professional job by the players, and this is following a similar pattern. You've just touched on it there, Martin. Um, that we're playing against sides who, who seem to be playing out the skin to an extent and doing as much as they can, and we just keep them at arm's length and getting the job done without really. I think what's happening now, that, like early on in the season, we were going to go down, or they were troubling us, and the defence wasn't as tight for one reason or another. Obviously, you got loads of new players in. But then I, I thought, kind of, by the time we played like Shrewsbury away, we didn't play very well first half. But then I kind of begun, began to realise, I'm sure Jack Ross realised this ages ago, that the longer the game goes on at nil-nil, and then they get tired, which obviously isn't what happened at Port Vale. But I think that's what we've kind of based it on, really, where <clears throat> teams come out all guns blazing, especially the away games. And then once they start running out of, you know, out of energy and we've got more than more than them on the bench then we seem to get stronger as the game yeah. goes on and we're going to get a chance you know I killed the game but as a squad of players like mentioned as a squad of players you get confidence off that as well like you no, know, like you say starting off slow I've seen a lot of games at stadium like they've started off slow and if you come back into the game and end up winning as players you kind of start realising you know what don't panic if we don't start off well we've always got the second half we've got quality to kind of Come back a second half, which which we kind of have been doing, and that's something that the players are so aware of. Like obviously, a bit different the weekend, getting the two goals start, but that was probably why we got a little bit complacent in the game. Maybe took a foot mm. off the pedal because you're taking right two goal lead. We don't need the kind of upper upper levels, which you can't do. You always have to have be at that level. And yeah. to be fair to Paul Fell, they gave it a right good go, and they they probably kind of consider themselves unlucky not to kind of get even a replay out of the game but like you say it was a professional job and the main thing was getting into the next round I thought they were I know you said the second half they were a lot better but I thought they were really poor in the first half technically yeah um, especially you know they, they didn't seem to be able to get out 
they didn't really seem to have a very good shape. They couldn't. Sunderland played well for us yeah, after. They, yeah, you know, they yeah, were yeah. moving the ball really quick, and they were they were bang out a right from the start, like, yeah. which was was kind of was probably the best start of the game I, I'd seen yeah. Sunderland for, for for a few games, even though they'd been winning. It was like obviously with the two early goals helps things, but they were keeping the ball well, making the poor fair lads chase the ball, and it was only when their manager I think changed the formation that they kind of started to get a little bit of a foothold in the game. It just seemed a bit shapeless, didn't they? Yeah. Especially defensively, they didn't really look like they had a an out or anything. It, it just it looked it's got like a good goal. Yeah, yeah, it was a good, good goal. goal he's, he's a good player. Though, open, it? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. offside. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the guy in front of the keeper was. I was quite low. Obviously, I was game. only about seven rows back. And you see the game totally differently. When, when you're that close to the pitch, you realise how good professional footballers yeah. are. Because it looks when you're sitting so far back, it looks so easy football. And you, know, you do this and you do that. And then when you're at pitch level, you appreciate the skill level, what mm. they have. And I think because I was quite low, it was just a really good goal there. as the mm. cut us right good finish, one. Yeah, of course. Do you not think Gooch could have done a little bit more? He definitely could. I think Honeyman as well. The two of them, kind of the two mm. goal scorers, who both of them actually played really well in general in the game, they could have done a little bit better defensively. Bit, but yeah, there was a lot of space yeah. there, wasn't there? Kind of torn the back a little, yeah. semi torn the back. But that, you can analyse that every goal and there's yeah. always a mistake somewhere. Yeah. So. The penalty, he got away with the penalty as well. I think it was a blatant penalty, in my, in yeah. my opinion. He, he kind of just clipped his foot, I think. It looked like live, I thought. I, I would have been happy if I would have been comfortable where he would have went and scored another goal. If they, if they equalised. When Power and or 9 come on, it was game over mm. because the injection of quality and well, nine gave, freshness. Nine gave a bit of energy, kind of ran in behind, yeah. took, took the kind of pressure yeah. off him as well with his, with his energy. But I uh, thought McGeady, McGeady was okay. He, still, he shows that quality, doesn't he? And the, you can tell he's kind of a quality above the rest of the lads. He's so, so composing that on the ball. I still think there's a lot more to come from him, but whether he'll be there come come January, you don't know. Yeah, well, this is it. Mm. I think now he's got a couple of goals as well. He's he's not so keen. There was a couple of times he was getting the byline and he was playing crosses in, whereas when he was coming on as sub, he didn't seem to want to score. He didn't seem to want to pass. He just seemed to want to get a load mm. of shots in to kind yeah. of you know get his that final ball goal. has been good. I thought he put a few good balls into the box. When, mm. um, he stood some great balls up left and right foot, and that's one thing about Aiden. He can go can go both ways. He's confident, yeah. but he's left and he's right. And at this level, that's that's priceless. I think Sinclair did well as well again, but. He doesn't seem to get many chances, does he? No. He doesn't seem to get. He many. creates chances by his running yeah. and his movement. Well, he's got the, the Gooch yeah. goal as well. Came from him showing yeah, good, good forward play, yeah. getting his body in, pinning the defender, and keeping the ball alive yeah. in the box. And it was a hell of a finish. I think, by I think he's had some great games away from home, mm. especially yeah. like Doncaster away. Yeah. He was like he was beating his man, getting the ball in. Um, whereas often with Madger, the like we lose possession. Yeah. Although he, he he did look tidy. We've got to play to his feet. There's no point yeah. in. And humping it up, but then obviously if they close our options down, and then that's the only chance where the keeper is going to launch yeah. it. Like Sinclair is much more effective in that league, you know. He's quick as well. Like he, when he opened up there Aye. a couple of times, he's quick. But it's, as sometimes when you're playing up there on your Todd, like you kind of you, you do a selfless job. Do you know what I mean? You, you're running to create space for the likes of Honeyman, Gooch, McGee to get the shots off. And listen, if, if someone keep winning games, it doesn't really matter who scores the goals, does it? We've got good variety, haven't we? In the squad, in the midfield. All different kind of options you could play, combinations of players you could play depending on the, depending on the opposition. You know, it, it, it's it's coming together in that respect. I think. I mean, I know people are saying there's there's more to come. There's more to come. There is, but you don't need much more. You don't need much league, more. You know. I bit. think we're just short of a a really strong centre half. It was like we we sometimes like struggle. Um, well, my, for, for like 
for strength, you know. Michael Scott's talking about setting a half, he's tweeted us in. Um, obviously, you lot will talk about this, the standout points of the game, offside goal, so I'll come to you on this, Martin. The second point, we've, we've discussed that, obviously, um, is that Baldwin has some mistakes in him every now and again? Yeah, I think I think he does, and I think the two, the two centre-halves we're playing at the minute are quite similar. I like them both, um, but I just think, you know, a bit like when we signed Paul Butler, um, when we had like Melvin and Ord, and they were both quite skillful, and <clears throat> we just basically just wanted someone strong and powerful to play against the strong mm. and powerful forwards that everyone mm. seems to have in this league. Um, I mean, I think Ozturk got quite a lot of grief, but when he came on at Wimbledon and when he came on at Bradford... Mm. He's clearly like the best in the air that we've got. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously, he put, his, just, he put his head in there, doesn't he? Like uh, kind of where a horse yeah. type. You can thing. turn him, you know. He turns slowly, but when Wimbledon were just like launching balls in, he was winning them all. You know, they took Leuven's off at half time, and I was like, "What's going to happen here?" And when when he came on at Bradford, he did the same. Um, but I think we need someone that can that can start the game with a bit of with mm-hmm. a bit of strength because obviously, not everyone. You know, Fleetwood weren't a massive team, but most teams have got like. You know, it's almost like they might be giants like every week, isn't it? You know, and and, and let's face it, we've got a team of short asses. You know, like sort of, like over, <clears throat> over, you know, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of small players. So like on set pieces, we're gonna we're gonna struggle. Um, but I mean, obviously we're clutching at straws because we're we're on a great unbeaten run. It's like we're looking for negatives a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. But, but I just think you know, people yeah. are now looking towards the window and saying like, well, Where how, how you are you going to strengthen? You know? know, it's like when we brought Stern John in under. Under Keane, it was like we didn't really have that type of player yeah. up front, and he didn't play that much. But in the games he that he did, he did. That's he, right. He yeah, he's effective. strong, different. Isn't it? And sometimes you just need. Is that, it. We, is that how we shipped you out fast, dude? Yeah, well, I was a right winger that year anyway. I got injured. <laughs> you were. No, yeah. So um, now, I don't. I, I see your point. You're looking for because it, it's always nice to bring a fresh face into the group. I think in January, because even if you're winning games, it's nice just to kind of. It's a lift for the dressing room as well. So you, you need to get the right personnel, kind of personality wise as well. So. But I see what you mean, but said that. But yeah, you have to look at kind of. We're not conceding loads of goals as well, so it's a bit. It is well, a little bit. Apparently, according to stats, we're in a completely false position. Apparently, that's good timing, Gareth, because it follows in with the next tweet I was going to bring up. Um, Neil, the White Cafu regular listener, and, and comes to our live shows and stuff. As a former pro, let me know who's talking to you, Stephen. What's your take on expected goals and the use of stats in general with regard? To Sunderland this can you, season. Can Shall you we put some context? What ex- expected put- goals is once Stevens finished? Sorry, because I haven't got a clue. What Does he mean like as in getting promoted? Like no, it? it's the X, the XG expected goals. Much of the Dave started using one. Yeah. They're highlighting that. Basically, what what it is, from my understanding of what it is is they look at data to see how many goal scoring chances a team creates and concedes every game. So, from my understanding, has always been it's good to use. Loosely, because it gives you an idea, right, we're not creating enough chances, let's do something about it. And we're playing against a team who are creating chances. But just to add some context to the question, Stephen, there's been a, um, a couple of journalists who were, who were very much into the stats who were suggesting that Sunderland... Are One of them false, wasn't a journalist, are, by the way. Are, One of them was, he used to be... Or in a false he, position. He was at uh, Brentford. Yeah. It's one, of, it's one of them, I think it's like, you can look at stats, right, okay, I'm not overly bothered about stats. They're not, the main thing is winning the game. I think stats... You can look at them if you're not winning games and you're looking for reasons why you're not winning the game. I've been in clubs and teams where you've not won for a few weeks and you're right. The manager has to think, right, we need to change something. So the first mm. thing you look at is the stats then. You think, right, we're not getting crosses into the box. We're not getting bought. Mm. That's when you look at But when you're winning games, it's like... So you use it as a guideline, yeah, don't you? Yeah, use it as a guideline. Yeah. But it's like you can't be 
too caught up with yeah. them. You just kind of have to kind of keep a pot, like you have to keep believing in the players that because you you only have a squad of twenty players. So you, as a manager, you, you're probably sitting there and thinking, right, we can how can if we're not scoring goals, how can we score more goals? Okay, we're not getting balls into the box. We're not we're not getting strikes and goal. So you might do a cross and finishing session. Mm. Not that like, but everybody knows to score goals, you have to get the ball in the box. So it's very difficult to kind of just change change the stats mm. straight away which is sometimes well, when well he was suggesting Sunderland aren't touching the ball in the opposition box enough but, but you know what? there's yeah. a times you've got to look and you've got to say right we've won six games in a row we've kept yeah. four clean sheets <laughs> in a row with if they know what they're doing the manager knows outside. what he's doing yeah. Yeah. yeah but that's what I'm saying but if you're a journalist you have to look for stuff yeah. to write well, down it's like a bit like goes we're looking for negatives in a team that's won seven games that's in a row yeah. it's it's very like it there's nobody's going to play the perfect game do you know what I mean so it's you're doing something right and it's it's a winning mentality and confidence is huge in football like no matter what level you're playing if you're winning games as a player you're part of that squad and you're thinking right we're going to win the next game which is probably why McLaughlin is again going back to him mm. isn't going to Scott no I want to be part of this team that keeps winning they might go on and have a record winning games in a row for some don't know like how many what is that does anybody even know I thought you might know Steve no, 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 no paper but that's what I'm saying that's what yeah. that's what starts creeping into your mind yeah, as a player yeah. we can do records here we can mm. oh no it's league well, one but it's 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 one of them that you, you set kind of individual team goals the manager might have had a meeting and says listen can we win 10 on the bounce you get the 10 can we win tw- like, I don't know you might say can we win the next 5 ok we win the next 5 what we do next statistically I think well factually this is Sunderland's best start in the history, it's only been two defeats. Like you said, two defeats. In terms of points, in terms of points, in terms of points achieved mm. from the games played, this is the highest it's ever been. So it, ever in 129 mm. years or whatever it is, it's just the best Sunderland team ever. Then, so we've <laughs> so gone from being the worst to <laughs> the yeah. best. So, but, but what's interesting <laughs> about that is, from a statistical perspective, you could they could look. You could actually argue that they're saying the stats are frame negatively however with that context and not mm. the positive it's a positive statistic mm. and also what I would say is when Jack Ross came to Sunderland there were some videos floating about um, that some interviews he did with a YouTube channel in Scotland I'm sure and it was on that one of the comments he made was most goals are scored from 16 yards out he said something like it was something like that most goals are scored from 16 yards from this area in the penalty area so he they train it they train on finishing from 16 mm. yards and mm. um, we might have seen a little bit of that on some of the footage that the club have put out recently mm. where they're kind of shown some finishing sessions from a certain part of the pit mm. from a certain mm. part of the penalty box but then that explains why we've had the fewest but touches also so this, got, those Josh Madger I think had four, before this game he scored he had 20 shots on target and he'd scored 9 goals well if you think about all the goals who scored from outside the box you know there was one on Sunday but then obviously Maguire's against Burton I think we scored 2 from outside the box against Gillingham because the keepers aren't as good and we've got midfielders mm-hmm. who can score yeah. so you don't need to touch the ball yeah. in the box if you can smash it in from 25 yards. I think you? that Honeyman one, by the way, probably beats any keeper. It's, I mean, yeah. on the weekend. It bounced, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, it, it was a great finish that, because like, well, obviously it? he's yeah. used the defender as yeah, a guide yeah. as well. Like, yeah. it's, it's, and so I thought he was a 26 seconds into the game. It yeah. shows he was, he was ready and sharp, which tells me that they're warming he, up well he, as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You look, yeah. you're, looking, you're looking at it, you look at that, some of the training footage that's coming out, and it's. I don't, I don't think it's fair to say, oh, well, these numbers suggest that it's unsustainable. Mm. Are other teams at this level practicing well, practicing to the level that mm. we're practicing our skills? But you got to say, the, the, I, I would, I'm looking at the way Sunderland play. I, I 
I'd say they do a lot of finishing and it's it's one of them even in the water you finishing how often do you hear a, you're watching a game on TV you hear the commentator going maybe if it's 10, 10 more minutes into the game you might you might yeah. get a finish on that to me when I hear that I think nah he should be ready right from the from the start of the game and Sunderland was Honeyman was and mm. it's great credit that he can do that after 36 seconds he might have hit 10 shots in the warm up mm. do you know what I mean scored a few of them built his confidence up that, that's why he took the shot on probably so it's 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 good management good coaching whoever's mm. doing it at the moment they're doing something right and it has to continue because you don't change something like you can you can look at the stats and whoever's come up with that stat saying Sunderland shouldn't be where they are I wouldn't be paying too much attention no, that well, I was are. involved in the club <laughs> you know what I'd be paying attention is right we've won our last seven games we've scored so many goals and we concede in less than what we've scored and which that continue that on then the club will keep winning games and be out of this league sooner can you imagine a manager sitting down and doing that like you've won seven games in a row well that you know, <laughs> bit of a Lord. false position lads because these data is telling but us I, that I, you're, you're not touching <laughs> the ball in the opposition box as much as you but, should uh, be to be fair like when you're winning games in a row as I said you're as a manager, though, you have to you have to keep lads on their toes as well, and it's it's getting that balance right because it's it must be it's a lot easier to manage a team that are winning games than one that's losing. Like you come into a draft being there, you've lost two or three on the bounce, and you come into training on a Monday, and you're like, here we go, type of thing. Whereas it's the opposite when you when you're kind of winning games, you're excited to come to training, and it makes things a lot easier. But you have to keep the training kind of different and mix her up a little bit to keep everybody. Nobody wants to get bored doing the same things over and over again, but. They're doing a good, really good job by the looks of it. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a break and we're going to have a look at some of your tweets when we come back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, welcome back. Now you may or may not have heard a little break there. Depends. Sometimes I go in, sometimes I don't. Um, some, I don't know I'm going with that, like a bit partridge, that wasn't it? Um, I'm gonna, <laughs> some, some questions now um, for you guys. Martin, we're going to start with this one for you then. Um, Andy Maguire, what inspired Martin to start a Love Supreme? What was your vision and what were your hopes for the fanzine back then? When was back then, first? Yeah, well, it kind of, it was my mate Jez that I went to the matches with who had a, a degree and wanted to be a journalist and couldn't get a job. So he kind of made us do the magazine I thought it was what year was idea. this we well, started talking about it in 87 but it took us about two years of drinking too much to get it together <laughs> in 89 and um, yeah, at that time you know the police were kind of moving people around outside grounds and it didn't really seem that good a, an atmosphere to be standing outside stadiums selling magazines when I could be in the pub you know um, 
but then pretty quickly people got into it and <clears throat> we got some really good sort of articles sent in and and there was quite a lot of things going on at the time you know people Thatcher kind of wanted to bring out ID cards Hillsborough happened and it made us realize that there was actually kind of like a need for you know for fans to to air the views obviously it was before the internet and that was the only kind of outlet but really it was just I think after one issue we, we went to the we went to a PO box that we had an address for and there was literally two sacks full of of like letters and articles from Sunderland fans and it was like wow we're kind of like well this is before social media before the yeah. internet and stuff so how did you push the message out that you wanted people to write in we, how did you do well, it how did you market like, it we just did like a magazine off our own bat like sort of we all just wrote some stuff you know and um and and we just had to put the put the first magazine together and and sold it and then put in a bought a PO box address because that's what mm. you did at the time and um, I mean, when we got our first fax machine, that was exciting. But uh, <laughs> but like literally, there was two sacks full of mail, like people subscribing to the next ten issues, and which we didn't know whether we'd ever do. And uh, and we just had like enough content for a few more issues, and it was just like, well, well, actually, we'll just we'll just kind of go with it. And it took off. It was kind of at the start of the fanzine revolution as well, where there was already the original Sunderland fanzine. Which is called Wise Men Say Weirdly. So I don't know where that, you know, I don't know if they stole no, that name off you no, guys. It's com- no, it's completely unrelated. We logically we said what we were trying to think of what to call it, and we said like we're speaking. So that was it. Was say Wise Men Say yeah. the song? That was the only reason why we know it's called I Can't Help Falling in Love with You as well. We know okay, that as yeah. many people point out. But anyway, carry on. Man. But yeah, and, and it just it just kind of it just took off. And then after a couple of years, we were kind of like, do we want to carry on doing this? Um, Jez left to to work at the Sunday Sun to write on Sunderland, which was his dream job. But then, and then it just kind of kept on going, and and it's still here. Did you have a job later. when you first? Yeah, yeah, started. I was I was a train driver. Right, <laughs> madly, good, I was good, good job, isn't it? I was Britain's youngest ever train driver. That's uh, the name of your book. Well, well, if you ask if you ask if you ask Frankie about this, they actually set up when I was wearing two with them. They set up a. A, a Twitter called Britain's Youngest Ever Train Driver because I let it I let it slip one night when we were at a gig, and then Marco Gabbiadini was at that gig I think, and then he started taking the because he was a, a fan of Frankie and the Hard yeah. Strings, and then anyway it's a it's a long story, but yeah, my granddad was a train driver, he got me the gig, and I never really wanted to do it, but I did it for four years until I kind of got the magazine going, and you passed the baton to the I did I did I did the barley the barley mumber of uh, the barley mumber of train driving. <laughs> Well, this is it. I did crash a train and do 37 grand's <laughs> worth of damage. <laughs> Gets us got suspended. But, um, you know, we all have our little... Well, that's the name of the episode, so <laughs> we're going to write it in now. Britain's youngest train driver. We, we don't um, capitalise on the fact that Frankie Francis is in a, in a rock band enough, do we? When one of our live shows, get him to open the show or something like that. Uh, Frankie Francis has asked a question for you, Martin. Oh, no. <laughs> He this understands. Says, Have you got that money? That I, he says, I understand Martin is a tour manager these days. <laughs> Which band has he had in his vans with the best stroke, worst taste of music? Well, actually, Michael from his band always plays good music, but Jerry from uh, Teenage Fan Club makes some good mixtapes or mixed CDs or whatever. Um, Spotify playlists. Spotify <laughs> playlists. But he's actually got some old CDs from back in the day. Um,. But like normally with musicians, there's like a big argument over who should play the best music, and everyone ends up just putting the headphones on because everyone thinks that like they're an aficionado about it, you know. 
But yeah, yeah but like sit there and ignore each other. I know just like the rest of society. Then, exactly, really. it'll yeah. it'll annoy Frankie. So I'll say Michael from Frankie and the Heartstrings and, <laughs> and Jerry from Teenage Fan Club. What's what it? about the worst? I was going to say who's got the best and worst taste for people in the dressing room, but I'll let Martin answer his question on the worst taste. The say worst. Frankie. Yeah, well, no, well, obviously Frankie's a good DJ, and he normally plays what I ask him. Um, there was an American band called Beartooth, like a rock band, and they just listened to like death metal on like the whole tour, and we were having like loads of really early morning calls, like six a.m., and they were just like getting the van, wearing onesies, and falling asleep to like like really loud crap music, and I was I had to stay awake. So yeah, so Beartooth are on Red Bull Records and. I didn't like the taste of music. No, I'll be avoiding them, I think. <laughs> Go on, Gareth, what was your question for Steve? No, just who's got the but, well, best and worst taste in the dressing room music. Obviously, there's music. a very famous story in Roy Keane's book about the uh, dressing room music and the dancing queen thing. <laughs> have you heard that story before, Stephen? Well, I probably have. He just he said that one of the first oh, things he noticed was the dressing room music that you were all trying to motivate oh, yourself to was rubbish, and Dancing Queen by ABBA was playing. Well, I think he was kind of just... I think he just thought of the probably more song he could think of to kind of make that point. I don't ever remember hearing that song on in the dressing room. Like <laughs> we, got, we got beat heavily, mm. didn't we? So. But now, yeah. listen, music doesn't matter. It's everyone... We used to kind of... A few of the clubs that every player used to pick a couple of songs and put them into a playlist so <laughs> everybody gets a bit of what they like, but you go from rap to kind of Elvis Presley to... I liked a bit of Queen, Freddie Mercury, like, you know, kind of rock. I don't know, just everything. Like, as long as they're kind of lively, I understand you don't want to be kind of going into a game, listening to dance and Queen Day, but I don't remember ever that being played. <laughs> Must have been injured that day. We Will Rock You was good by Queen. Mm. Rock Park. Yeah, I played that at Rock Park for a bit, yeah, didn't I? Did, yeah, yeah. when I was a kid, I remember that. I remember actually at Carlisle, funny enough, Keith Cole, when he was manager, when I was there briefly, um, he came in and he, he literally was a control freak and... He wasn't happy with the music on the no that was being played at the ground before the game, like that the crowd and all listened to it. Like so, he actually went and put the playlist on in the in the ground, and his favorite song was uh, Gabriella. Um, what's that song? Dreams. Dreams. Yeah. yeah. So that was on every like at least three times before every game, and it was one of them where like Keith Cole, you see him over on the touchline, he's rocking his head, going all the lads, thinking, why is he playing this? But I don't think we ever won games listening to it anyway. But it's one of them. Some managers can get a little bit overprotective with the music. I think. Malcolm Golfer asks you, Stephen, why why you never had a shirt that fitted properly, that always looked baggy. And he's sure you would have been quicker. And also, somebody else asked, I don't know who it is, following on from that, they called you a rude word and said, Why did why do you always wear long sleeves, you soft so and so? Um, <laughs> I don't know about the J. Just, I, I wasn't. thing is, I was uh, I was just took where I was given. Like, I, I know some of the jerseys these days are dead tight on the Martin mm. like, and back in the day, listen, as long as, long as I was in the starting lineup, I would have worn a double XL. It didn't really matter to me. You just roll your sleeves up, didn't you? And go on with it. But. Probably oh, you, you didn't roll your sleeves up a cute. Uh, I think sometimes I did. It depends on how long they were. I was never too bothered, really, to be honest. Especially when I was younger, it was just get your top on, go out and play. I wasn't too bothered how I looked, to be honest, on the pitch. I, I think the, the demise of the long sleeve shirts really sad. I used to, I used to buy the long sleeve replicates when I bought them. Yeah, they always looked like they were more of a kind of match day oh, show, yeah, didn't yeah, they? they were, I think I mean, Arsenal did they do a thing that wherever the captain decided to wear, they all had to kind of wear this. So of the captain was wearing short sleeve, right, and now the rest of them. I think Tony Adams brought that in. So they wear like the skins underneath the mm. uh, short sleeve ones now. I think it looks rubbish. Mm. He'd got this long sleeve shirt. No one wears them. Craig Gardner was a pl- the player who started that. He wasn't he? I think. I don't know. I can't remember. That's what I think of when you when you talk about something. I think it's more offensive than. Um, Short sleeve shirts and gloves, in my opinion. 
this under skin under the shorts. Is that annoying? You want to do that annoying? No, it doesn't annoy me. Oh, no, I, doesn't actually, I think, I think it's logical yeah. because your extremities your get colder. Warm, yeah. Extremities get colder. So, mm-hmm. so why is you wearing a t-shirt? Well, I tell you what, you go outside in a t-shirt, your fingers will get cold. So you put the, put some gloves on. You're all right. Don't worry I'll about just it. Just run around more. It's not going to warm your fingers up, though, is it? Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever worn gloves in a match, actually. Mac and Dad, Steve Shelley. That's weird. That's interesting. Wasn't really. What's your favourite cheese? You got Kevin Ball to tell him once on a stream for pre-season game when the TV feed crashed and it was just all. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the pre-season it was friendly with the club. Purple and Wibbly. It was uh, what you call it. it was Crabbers. It was doing the comms mm. with Bawley. Yeah. So what, I, I don't like cheese. So I'll let you. I'll, so I'll let you. Right. I like cheesecake. Yeah. Cheesecake, <laughs> sort of Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Do you not like cheese? I don't mind cheese. I like cheese toasties and that. But listen, I'm not Red Leicester, is it? That's not no, bad, that's is it? Red Leicester, just basic that's cheese. Point, mm-hmm. like cheese. <laughs> basic cheese. Like when you go and like the, cheese. Is there any Irish cheese? There must be some uh, loads. <laughs> There's loads of cheese in Ireland, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> it's cheese, not just cheese. That's the name yeah. of the podcast, Gareth. Yeah. Oh, There's loads, loads of, of cheese, cheese in Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not. It's up there with Britain's youngest. I know. But when we'll get Martin on again maybe we should save that one for when he's not when Steve's is on because Martin's very busy he's been ages since he's been on so it's nice to have him in um, what's my I don't know I, I love cheese me like you know, you know what's the best cheese thing cheese and biscuits at Christmas oh Christmas order something order a special order a special cheese in for Christmas yeah. I know you hate it talking about food we can talk mm. about Red Dwarf if you want that was one of the questions yeah somebody asked you why if you watch Red Dwarf Steve uh, that's that's just some little smeg that I was speaking to <laughs> <laughs> I don't I've even know what this smeg means, but he said to me this. <laughs> smeg head. Smeg head, yeah. yeah, so. yeah I've never watched Red, Red Dwarf, and I don't know. I've flicked, I flicked through when it's on, da- on Dave or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave, yeah. I flick her on, and it's just one of them shows that I give it a couple of seconds, and I think, I can't watch this. It just <laughs> doesn't do anything for me. I can, say, I can give you a, a, I can speak a bit of Esperanto because of Red Dwarf. So there you go. Do you want a what? sentence in Esperanto? Bon voro el sende la podiston la shane estestrano in mi video. That's that too mean, involved, that is. And that means, could you send for the whole porter, there appears to be a frog in my bee there. So there you go. If you're a Red Wolf There are more fan, questions for you, really, Gareth. That, that's, yeah, yeah, that's too involved. That's too involved. I've worked with Craig Charles a couple of times. He was Craig. Red Dwarf, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yes. yeah. And the last time I worked with him, he accused me of trying to like get off with his missus. <laughs> well, yeah. So, no, I wasn't. She just, she just wouldn't go away. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> what was wrong with her? <laughs> I don't know. But he does Did he tell these... you a Britain's youngest train driver? <laughs> like, well, I'm not going to tell anybody that again. But obviously, <laughs> so now I say it on a podcast for everyone to know. But there is, there is a Twitter page somewhere. I prefer him and Corey, me. Corey? He's in Coronation Street, yeah. that guy, oh, isn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah, we had a couple of nights out in Manchester with him and uh, they were interesting, let's say. <clears throat> That's yeah. for another podcast, yeah. perhaps, yeah. I think. Yeah. Probably like a night out with Sean Thornton for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could just get Stephen to finish up on Sh- Sean Thornton stories now. I think you've yeah. probably done that at death in the live show, Stephen. No. Give Sean a break, man. We don't want Gareth to tell his story again. Mm. I've seen no. him. Oh, no, that's boring, isn't it? <laughs> it's food-related as well. well used. Uh, Chris Brown actually nice. mentioned him on that, on that podcast we were talking about. When we were talking about flash, I haven't even listened there. to that. I just when when, I, when you said that to me, I knew I'd be about a big parky like at all. But no, you yeah. have to listen to it now. Have to go back in, delve in, find it. Put it this way, I'm not going to say, but it done the trick anyway for me. <laughs> 
I haven't listened to it. Yeah, it is good. Go and have a listen to it. I, I was even going to, I was even, I was considering clipping the audio and putting it in, but then I didn't have time didn't to, have to do get it. permission. I thought I'd give Stephen a break from doing that. Mm. Is he the maddest person you've ever played with him? No, Parky. Yeah, you see, I mean, he's not mad. He's just, just a funny lad. Like he just, he just loved his grub and his crack. He played it, you know that, that game where Ross Wallace took his top off in the last minute and he scored oh, against yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He was playing for Hull that day and we really, really struggled against him because he's just so yeah. big. It mm. was like, how how was he a footballer? Because he didn't look like one. But yeah, I'll tell you that story about when we played Cardiff at Preston, Big Park. No, you didn't. I'm so. sure I did. We, uh, no, you didn't. <laughs> We played Cardiff, we beat them 7-0 or something. I think Parky might have scored a hat-trick in the game. And it turns out in the end, we pipped Cardiff to a playoff place by a point. Like So we only had scored six goals. We wouldn't have pipped them, like, I don't know what year it was. But anyway, because we played against Cardiff, like their manager and chairman is a Peter Risdale at the time. Yeah. They came down. We were, we were warming down out in Deepdale, down in Preston. We walked by their dressing room and you could hear their manager and, and chairman going mad at their players because like, they'd just been done 7-0 or something. And he was like, you... Them two so and so's fat so and so's up front running rings around just I says the size of them and they beat seven nil so little did they know Parky had his ear to the door like <laughs> listen to everything they were abusing Parky calling this that so when they were all finished the, the car the dressing room was quiet as anything so Parky opens the dressing room door doesn't he pops his head in and goes has any of you seen my diet sheet anywhere like that <laughs> so but like we were all on the on the corridor like wetting ourselves and obviously they they, they couldn't even laugh even though i guarantee like 90 percent of them found it funny but it was so, so funny like and he ended up signing the following season didn't he i don't know mm. I, I just, not he somebody did play in the premier league didn't he play, did he play for stork did he in the premier yeah league? i don't know if he played but i, I don't think he played. i think them. he left before he kind of got promoted he signed for pressing at the same time as me i think when the when the season they got promoted, but he's a good, great player. Like if he yeah. probably one of the best two footed players I've played with finishing wise as well. If he had been a little bit more conditioned, he could have easily played in the Premier League for a few years. Ability wise, very Mac, good. Was it Macclesfield? He came. He was I think he started at Macclesfield. Yeah. He was at Barnsley as a young. He played all over like York. He's like I think he's still playing now. Actually, I think he's playing at York, Cardiff, Preston, Hull, Stoke. Um, really, really, really good player. You ever been on the end of a like a seven 0 drubbing or anything before? Um, that the worst hammering I got was probably uh, Celtic. The beat was four 0 I think one one game that was when I was at Hearts. But I don't think I've ever been hammered before in a game. No. What's the biggest dressing uh, down you've ever had from a manager? Me personally, well, just the, well, you are the team man. Yeah, uh, obviously, Roy's had, Roy had a few rants when he was. How do we all know? Who, who <laughs> yeah, but he was, you were just uh, looking for a Roy Keane question. Yeah. Now. No, he, he, listen, he was known for his rants. He was just he just got vicious and, and personal when he when he did it. I just think he he had no filter. Like mm. he could be, I see you chat away to you now for an hour and so he'd be like, oh, he's sound very football knowledge. But then when you see it in his eyes, when he kind of when he flips, it's just he doesn't know something. I think something comes over him and he just doesn't know what he's saying and. I've seen many a time when he's gone mad, but listen, you just kind of learn to kind of get on with it, don't you? Did he used to? Did he honestly used to have? Was it uh, the kit man or whatever set up the John Cook? Yeah, was it Cook? He set up the, set the board up the so he could crack it, kick it. A lot of managers do, do that. Like, like yeah, sure, I think. Um, even I've heard a few managers do stuff like that. Is it Aidy Botwright when he was at Coventry? The lads were saying that he used to before the game, not a table in the dressing room. You'd, you'd see him in the dressing room before, like putting both his hands on the checking it to see if he had the power to um, lift lift her up. Like so, it was obviously a premeditated thing he was going to do at half time. So Gary McShepherd was telling me they were I think they were winning two 0 at half time. So he comes in and he flips the table up like 
just for a reaction out of players. So obviously, because he'd been practicing in the in the, in the dressing <laughs> yeah. room beforehand, he was going to do. It. So yeah, just show. I have to do this now. I'll prepare. Well, I don't think Roy kind of practiced. Should we do it this stuff? time? No, yeah. no, I don't think. No, no, I don't think I would get wrong. You look scared there. Yeah, yeah. I think I would definitely get wrong. Does it lose its effect when when you know it's a premeditated? Thing? Well, we didn't know at the time. It was only the kit man that told us that. Well, I wasn't there. with told chefs and all that he'd been practicing in the dressing room while they were warming up to see if he had the power to lift it. So when you hear that, you kind of lose a little bit of respect for the anger, don't you? Hmm. You never lose respect for Roy Keane's anger. I'd be fascinated about that. Wouldn't it? Fly the, if ever flying the wall took him, he should have been made about any manager. He would have been the one, wouldn't he? Afterwards, he'd probably like complain about like the angles of the camera and that like, the professionalism of the of the, of the um, recording and everything like that. He'd probably do that. Do you hear from him at all? Who are I? Yeah, I used to hear from every Irish press conference up until recently. Like, we had a fallout, didn't we? Mm. Personally, no. The last time I seen Roy was at um, Liam's funeral, Liam Miller's funeral. That was the last time I spoke with him. And so, tell us more about the press conference then. No, he just always speaks, doesn't he? Right. Well, he, he's rolled out to do press conferences. Oh, I thought he meant referencing you personally. Oh, no, 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 no. no. Ah, Roy's all right. Listen, he's, as, if you can stay out of, he's kind of, you stay out of the firing line with him, then he's no problem. But once, once you get in that firing line, my God, you don't want to be end of a tongue national off Roy, that's for sure. All right. Well, next time you're in, we'll maybe, uh, we'll maybe think of one Roy Keane-based question for you every time you come in or something like that. But we'll uh, see. We like to save some of that for the live shows, don't we? Yeah, that's they the probably audience. come out after a few, couple of beers anyway, isn't it? and then they always sound funny. Well, yeah. everybody finds stuff funnier after five or six pints, don't they? <laughs> I only Honestly. knock around with alcoholics. <laughs> <laughs> We're all alcoholics in this country, according to some, aren't we? Who said that? Like? Well, you'd be classed as an alcoholic in America, wouldn't you? If you drank, if you. To the extent that you do over here? Can't trust. We'll go on off here, right? Cut that bit out, right? Anyway. I'm not going to cut it out. (laughs) Thanks for listening.